Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by SRD20 Boat Products. It shouldn't be hard work. SRD20 products use advanced nanotechnologies in its formulations, explicitly designed for boat maintenance. From boat waxes for detailing to waterless washing wax products, SRD20 has boat care products that keep your boat protected from the elements and looking brand new. Visit them online at www.srd20.com and enter promo code LASTSTOP for 20% off all SRD20 products today. Guys, you hear us talk about it all the time. Our buddy Jay Thomas over at Blind Grass Camouflage Systems offers hunters and outdoorsmen the most realistic, durable, and versatile camouflage materials available on the market today. Let me ask you something. Are you tired of constantly having to rebush your blinds every year or the smell of rotting grass in your blind? How about grass that pokes and cuts you through grass mats that have no depth in color and does not last an entire season? Well, the answer to that is probably yes, you've experienced that same scenario. And blind grass's patented synthetic blind grass will not rot, mildew, and is 100% waterproof. And it's available in mats or bundles and it comes in natural grass color blends or is paintable to match your unique surroundings. Folks, do yourself a favor. If you're looking to camouflage your boat blind, kayak, permanent blind, or anything else that you're looking to blend in with your surroundings, check out our friends at Blind Grass Camouflage Systems. You can visit them on the web at blindgrass.com. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoor Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Robery, and guys, I am glad to have you join me on this final episode of the 2023 season. This is season six that we're going to be wrapping up with this episode, and uh, and I hope you and your families are doing well as we get ready to enter 2024, guys. Like I always say, it's hard to believe that we are almost done with waterfowl season. We are now just about three to four weeks away from wrapping up the 2023-24 season. And hopefully 2023 offered you guys some great hunts, some great memories to be made out there in the field. I know it did for us. And uh, the first half of the season was an excellent excellent half of the season for us. And uh, But things have changed a little bit here in Louisiana and down south. I know a lot of people that I'm talking to, uh, things have gotten really tough, guys. It is a, a tough second half of the season. I know for us personally, our group, it has been really tough. Uh, it just seems like a lot of birds have now moved out and are, uh, and are maybe moving around, moving back up the flyways. And, uh, and still a lot of birds that haven't made it down the flyways. Really, really a lack of migration from what it looks like this year due to the temperatures that we're experiencing the the uh abnormal warm winter that we're having all across the flyways so kind of an odd year which we we expected it to be an odd year um you know with low water conditions this year 
you know, so that's really what I was thinking was going to be a, a main factor in, in how the season would unravel. And, uh, and that has played a part in it for sure. But the, you know, the, the warm temperatures, the lack of winter uh, across the flyways that, uh, you know, we are experiencing as hunters this year. Um, you know, that's really been the big story, to be honest with you, it looks like, uh, for the most part. So, you know, as I record this episode, um, the last day of 2020, 2023, you know, I'm outside recording here at my home and I'm looking at the trees and we still have leaves on the trees, which is just unusual for this time of year. And, uh, you know, that tells the story, guys, that tells, you know, that has been a very mild winter. And, uh, you know, you always hear the guys talk about the Farmer's Almanac, and every year it seems like the uh, the predictions are, man, the Farmer's Almanac shown is going to be a cold, cold winter. But uh, that hadn't been the case at all. So I don't pay too much attention to that normally because you just never know, you know, especially if you're down south. Those of you who are down south, you know how it is, man. It could be cold one day. It could be 80 degrees the next day. So you never know. Mother Nature deals you a hand and you just got to roll with it but uh but yeah to be honest like i said it's gotten real tough guys limits are very very hard to come by for us i know some guys uh here in the state are still doing well uh, and and you just really have to adapt you have to adapt to what you have in your area and what's available to you um you know if you're if you're not all about hunting diver ducks but you got divers in your area uh, then you can't you can't really get too picky. You got to go after what's available. You got to adapt to what's in the areas. Uh, for us, what we've tried to do over the last week or so is, is we started hunting more wood ducks. You know, uh, we went to the woods over the last week or so. We made a couple of wood duck hunts just because uh, a lot of the hunts that we were making in the marsh, the first split, they uh, they kind of dried up. The birds moved out of the areas that we were hunting and bouncing around between. Um, so we kind of changed things up. We said, hey, well, you know, we're not going to be able to kill these limits. It doesn't look like uh, because the migration is just not dealing us that, that, that hand, you know. So we moved to the woods. We did a couple of wood duck hunts. And even that, you know, what is normally a, a given for us uh, at the areas that we hunt in the woods, even wood duck limits are hard to come by right now, you know, because of the lack of water. That's where that lack of water plays into the uh, the whole equation this year. So it's an interesting year to say the least, uh, you know, and I, I had talked about it on a previous episode that I, I mentioned the terms reverse migration. And, uh, and I would like to say, hey, maybe that's something that we're experiencing right now with the reverse migration. Maybe some of those birds that were here early have now moved their way, you know, up the flyways. But, uh, but really, I don't know if we got a big migration push this year when I'm looking at the, the the whole picture, you know? Um, so it's kind of interesting because like I said, I saw reports just a couple of days ago that up in Canada, there's still geese holding, there's still ducks holding up there. Uh, there's no snow on the ground, you know, there's no, there's no precipitation, frozen precipitation to get those birds moving and making that big push, you know, with the migration down South this year. So I think, you know, a lot of the birds that we did get early, they're probably already starting to push back up the flyways. And I could be wrong on that, but I think, in my opinion, that's possibly what's happening. Um, you've already, we've already experienced the winter solstice, which is right around uh, December 25th or December, right around the week of Christmas, you could say. 
And, you know, if you listen to that type of stuff and you believe in that type of migration uh, information, then a lot of people claim that when the winter solstice occurs, that's going to be the last big push in the migration for the season. Um, so we're well beyond that point now as we get ready to enter uh, January 1st of 2024, which leads me to believe that we, we probably have seen the, the, the biggest push of the migration uh, especially for us down in the south and the southern states. Um, without any kind of major cold fronts hitting the area, snowfall uh, coming across the upper portions of the flyway, I just don't see uh, a big push of birds making their way down here to Louisiana or any of the southern portions of the flyways, you know. Um, so that's just what we're dealing with, you know. we got about three or four weeks left in the season. Um, we're going to make a push to hunt what's available. Like I mentioned, what's available is what we're going to hunt. Uh, you know, and if it's not there, we're not gonna we're not gonna push it. You know, so we're gonna go out. We're gonna make some more memories before the season's done. Hopefully, have some comfortable temperatures uh, where we don't have you know mosquitoes swarming and we don't have hot temperatures that type of stuff. And uh, and then I guess after that, guys, it'll be a push for, towards fishing. You know, we'll probably have an early spawn this year with it being a, a mild winter. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to some of that. So I'm looking forward to getting on the water this year and bringing some new content to you guys, um, you know, from a fishing aspect and some content to the channels that we have out there on social media. So we're looking forward to that. But on this episode, guys, I, I really, there's something that has been weighing on me. And, you know, as I'm reflecting back on 2023 season, um, you know, I, I started thinking about, I always look at the grand, the grand picture and I, and I, I look back on the season so far. I, usually this is something that I really look at when the season is over normally, you know, and I, and I kind of say, okay, what, what did we do this year that we were successful with as a group of hunters? What were we, you know, not successful with that we could probably improve on for next season? I'm sure a lot of you that hunt in your groups, you're, you're the same, uh, or if you hunt, you know, solo, you're always looking at ways to improve and things that you did wrong that you'd like to change up for maybe next season, you know. But when I started, when, you know, when slowing down and things getting a little bit slower, I guess I'm kind of early, uh, you know, but I'm, I've been thinking about stuff and, and kind of what I'm seeing out there. And on this episode, I really wanted to touch on public land huntings, you know, because you guys know that we're, a public land hunting channel for the most part we do a lot of our hunting on public land and we're out there in the field all across the state of louisiana so we see it we meet a lot of people we see a lot of people we, we observe a lot of things you know and we participate in the whole aspect of a public land hunters experience you know so i i think that you know with the years that I have in the field personally been doing this since I was a little boy with my dad on public land for the most part. Um, I feel that I could help other hunters. I feel that I could bring, uh, information to people maybe looking to get into the sport, um, you know, and carry on the traditions of waterfowling, um, that we've got to experience since I was a kid, you know, but this year, you know, we always try to, we always try to be a positive group. We always try to, focus on a lot of the good um and, and really i stay away from a lot of the negativity side of it to be honest with you 
Um, you know, and you guys that follow us, you know that we try to stay positive. We try to make it fun, uh, and entertaining for people to say, Hey man, I might want to try that waterfowl, you know, deal. Uh, my buddy starts, started duck hunting. He said how much he likes it. And maybe I want to get into that. So we try to do that, uh, as much as possible guys, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be upfront with you. This episode, it's been weighing heavily on my heart this season. Some of the things that I've seen out there on public land and, and it got me asking myself the question where are we as a group of hunters and a society of of waterfowl hunters now uh as we are getting ready to exit the year 2023 um and, and really guys I, there's some stuff that's disturbing to me you know there's some stuff that's disturbing to me you know we always talk about social media and how social media has changed pretty much everything our way of life the way we handle our everyday life uh, you know and go about things uh and everybody in some capacity if you're on social media you're somewhat of an influencer whether you choose to be or you choose not to be uh my opinion is that you're somewhat influencing others uh, with you know your daily life basically but as waterfowl hunters guys i have seen some things this year that has really just bothered me you know and, uh, and for example, you know, we talk about social media and people that may be interested in getting into our sport that, um, go to social media for information. They go to, they go because they're trying to learn something about, uh, about the, what they're interested in, whether it's waterfowling, uh, whether it's fishing, whether it's, uh, you know, just, um, learning, you know, stuff around the house to do as far as mechanical work or fixing stuff like that. Nowadays, you know, people go to places like YouTube, they go to Facebook, they go to Instagram, and they look and, and they try to learn stuff to be able to, uh, you know, further their knowledge of whatever they're interested in. And, you know, with social media, I've talked about it in the past, how it could be a blessing and it could be a curse. You know, we've been involved heavily with social media for quite some time now. Um, if you follow us, you all know that I started Last Stop Waterfowl. Uh, our YouTube page, our Facebook page, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff was to document our seasons and everything that went on throughout our seasons. And we figured, hey, we have stories to tell. We could share it with other people that may be interested in it, uh, other people who share similar interests such as ourselves, you know. And that's really where we started at. But what I have seen a lot going on now that really disturbs me, and the disturbing part is a lot of people who are going to places like social media to try to get some knowledge and try to learn about waterfowl hunting. And they're just absolutely greeted with nothing but sarcasm, nothing but just, you know, hatred sometimes, people looking to to pick on them, you know, that type of stuff. And, and in all honesty, guys, it's, it's unsolicited, you know. I, I think sometimes a small portion of it is solicited because, um, you know, you have access to guidelines you have access to regulations uh, to information as far as the, the basic information goes on what the guidelines are each season you know so if somebody is interested in waterfowl hunting and they want to find out when a season is open for example or what's the limit in a particular area then yes they have access to go themselves do their homework and find that information out without having to go to social media and, and ask because they're too lazy. So there is a fine line when I make this point, guys, is that, yes, you know, 
a lot of people could look up information themselves and find out the information that they need, but that's not the, the, the information that I'm talking about in this particular situation. What I'm talking about is I have seen people go to social media this year and they will ask about a general wildlife management area, for example, and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in getting into waterfowl hunting. And, uh, and what, what do you guys know about this area? Now, you know, they're not asking for a specific hunting area. They're not asking for our specific hunting spots. They are asking for general information so that they have an understanding of what an area pertains that they're thinking about possibly hunting, you know, in the future. And sometimes the comments that I see on this, these type of questions just absolutely baffles me. It, it, it frustrates me. It pisses me off sometimes because the hatred that these people get sometimes is just unsolicited. Like I, I mentioned, it's uncalled for, you know, and it leads me to the question of, you know, where are we, like I mentioned, of a, as far as a society of waterfowl hunters, that we have the right and the audacity to attack people who come looking for information, you know, um, to, to try to learn our sport and to, to find out information in order to make more educated decisions, to make their experiences better when they're looking to hunt public land. Um, you know, that type of information why are they being crucified and, and judged and, and mocked and, and made fun of whenever they're trying to do the best that they can and take advantage of the technology that we have nowadays to make better decisions, you know? And, and I know what you, some of you are probably saying. You're probably saying, well, they have access to all that information, you know, through the, through the guidelines and the regulations and all that. And I, I understand that. That's only a, a portion, a small portion of what goes into our sport and what goes into waterfowl hunting. And you will probably agree to at least that if you don't agree with me on some of the other stuff. You know, I'm not talking about the basic information. I'm talking about information in regards to a general area, the history of it. Is it good for waterfowl hunting? Is it not good for waterfowl hunting? What's some places that you may want to look out for, some dangers that could be out there? Uh, general information. And, and when I f see those people that are truly genuine and reaching out for information, I always make an effort to reach out to some of those people and help answer some of those questions. Because I feel that I, as a, a participant in this sport, guys, that has been around this for a long time, that it's, it's my duty to pass on some information to the next generation or to some of my fellow hunters in my generation that may have came up but not came up in waterfowl hunting you know uh, it's too often that these people get attacked on social media and uh, unruly get attacked and and then what you see these people do is they stray away from it after that they they, they get a bad taste in their mouth as somebody coming into the sport um, you know by getting attacked on social media for asking a question um and they kind of stray away after that. I think a lot of people get turned off by that. I think a lot of people say, well, I'll just do it my way. And a lot of times, you know how it is. If you don't have anybody bringing you up in the sport, you don't have anybody taking you out there and showing you how to do things right in the sport, then you're probably going to do it wrong. And you're going to, then you're going to go out there. You're going to do things, you know, not the right way. And then that leads you and me and everybody else who's been in this sport for such a long time out there on public land frustrated because you have new people 
coming out there, joining us on public land, and they're not doing it what we would call, in quotations, doing it the right way. You know? And uh, and there's nothing more frustrating than that. When you get somebody who who's new to the sport and you're out there on public land and you get there on time, you do everything right, and you know how it is, guys. They come rolling in, you know, uh, you know, right before shooting time or an hour before shooting time, and they're making all kind of noise and they're doing things. Whatever it may be, you know how that is to have somebody frustrate you on a hunt where you've done everything right. But what you got to ask yourself is, you know, if you're on social media and you've seen these people asking questions and you're that guy who is absolutely condemning them and making fun and mocking them and doing all this stuff, you're a smartass, you're answering them with some smartass comments and stuff like that, then what could you have done differently to possibly help out somebody trying to learn the sport and learn an area where we hunt at, you know? And that's the way I kind of approach it, guys, personally. I see I see myself approaching it that way. I say, hey, if I answer this guy or I give him a little bit of feedback on this particular area that he's asking about because I have experience in that area, then hopefully that's going to make his experience a lot better. But it's also going to make my experience a lot better as a hunter who's also hunting that area, you know? Um, I, man, I can't tell you the comments and you guys know, I mean, you guys know if you're on social media, you see the comments that some people put out there. I'll see people, you know, mislead people that are asking questions. They'll deliberately mislead them by, you know, telling them to go certain places that, you know, the seasons may be closed and this and that, you know, just, just, just crude. I mean, just rude, man. You know, and, and look, I get it. Some people are frustrated because they say, hey, well, I had to learn that way, um, you know, and they're going to have to learn that way. And it's tough love. It's a tough love type situation. But you know what, guys? Chances are, if you've been in this sport for a long time, you've had somebody kind of take your hand at one point, whether it was a father, a grandfather, a mother, possibly, uh, or friends that grew up duck hunting, you know, and you... At one point, you were wet behind the ears. You didn't have all that experience that you may think you have now. You know, at some point, somebody took you and showed you the ropes and showed you how to do things right. And and you learned. Hopefully, you learned the right way to handle yourself when you hunt public land, waterfowl hunting. Uh, whether you, you're water, it could, this can associate with deer hunting. This could be associated with any kind of hunting, fishing, if you're on public grounds. Any of that type of stuff, guys, it carries over to every sport. It just happens to be that we're a waterfowl hunting community, and that's what we're, we're talking about in this particular situation, things that I've seen this year. But I, I would like to see us as a community embrace some of these questions on social media with a little bit more compassion, a little bit more uh, you know, time spent educating people who are asking questions. And, and once again, let me clarify not questions that are basic questions such as dates of you know season dates, um, limits, that type of stuff. That's all that information that you could get from opening up a pamphlet that's issued to you every year and every hunter has access to. What I'm talking about is more specific questions to the history of a, a particular wildlife management area or public ground, something like that. Uh, maybe taking somebody who doesn't have the experience that you have. On a hunt with you, guys. You know, one of the greatest things that, I, that I've learned over the last, you know, probably decade or so is taking somebody who hasn't hunted before and taking them on a hunt with us. 
Uh, whether it's a good hunt or it's a bad hunt, I think a lot of people, and, and let me kind of make that make a point on that. I think a lot of people feel that if they take somebody on a hunt with them, um, you know, that their their spots are going to be tainted at that at that point. You know, that they're gonna, you know, that that person that they maybe take with them is gonna take, you know, people with them after that, or they're gonna start hunting their area. And unfortunately. That, that is the scenario a lot of times, you know, um, a lot of us hold spots close to the vest. Um, you, you know, we're not, we're public land hunters, you know, and I get it. Uh, we're not going to share all of our, our, our sweet spots with other hunters when we don't really know these other hunters, you know. But you know what, what I've done in the past, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you when I tell people this, is if I've taken somebody with me, especially somebody who's an older hunter, uh, closer to my age, you know, or somebody like that, uh, hunting with me, then I'm not going to probably take them to my, my A spot, my B spot, or even maybe my, even my C spot that I feel are my top three spots. You know, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to go somewhere where we have an opportunity to maybe learn a little bit together about the area that we're going to hunt, uh, or places that I've hunted in the past that wasn't necessarily my, my bread and butter spots, you know? And, and what that does, and the reason I do that is because it allows me to get to know that hunter that I'm taking with me, that, that person who's maybe looking to, to hunt, they're looking for information. Um, it's going to get allow me to get to know who they are a little bit better, uh, become a little bit better equate, you know, acquainted with them, and kind of see what their tendencies are. It's almost like a job interview, if I'm being 100% honest with you. you know, That's kind of the way I look at it. Um, you know, I, I want to take the time to, to show them kind of what we know and how we handle things the right way, hopefully. But at the same time, I want to also get to know these people and introduce them to the sport, but introduce them to how we do things if I'm taking them along with me and also get to know them. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. And I'm sure a lot of you who have taken people and do take people with you, you probably handle, handle it the same way in a situation like that, you know. So it gets me, it, or it gives me the opportunity to get to know that person. And then from that point on, once I hunt with somebody and I bring somebody with me like that, uh, then I kind of have an idea of, hey, whether or not I could trust them to bring them to other areas with me. Um, or, hey, at least at, at minimum, I've given them a little bit of information that they could take on a hunt with them when they try to start branching out on their own. So I find that that has worked really well. Uh, and I've made some great friends doing that, guys. There's some people, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to say it. There's going to be some people that you may take that gamble on and take them with you. And they just don't pan out. You know, they, they may be immediately going back to the spot that you showed them. They may be taking friends with them. Uh, and then you stop getting phone calls because they've kind of learned the area. They know what they need to know. And they... They done with you, you know, and, and in some circumstances, that's going to be, that's going to be the way it goes down. Uh, that's the type of person that you probably don't want to take back with you. You don't want to become, you know, you don't want that guy becoming a part of your posse, you know, your hunting group. Uh, and that's just the way it is sometimes. But then there's other times you're going to see where there's very, very loyal people that you take with you. And they're going to be loyal to you because they're going to respect the fact that you showed them and took the time to show them something and teach them something. And they're only going to go back to those areas with you and give you a call and say, Hey man, let's go hunt in this area again. Let's check it out. You know, I know we, we did well, let's go back to it. Or, Hey, I know we didn't do well, but the conditions wasn't right. Can we go check it out again? 
So that's the type of God that you will really want to spend some time with and educate. And that's where, you know, that initial contact of, of them on social media asking a question, you know, can lead to a further friendship with that person. But it also is educating them to become a better hunter, guys, when we're out there on public land and we're all trying to have a good experience, you know. So just a little compassion can go a long way. You know, a lot of you, I know you hunt, you know, depending on your age, you, you're going to realize, guys, as you go through this waterfowl hunting ordeal as, as a hunter through your life, you're going to realize that you go through phases, you know. Um, it's all about the limits at first. Well, you know, when you start out, let me let me back up a little bit. When you start out, it's about learning the sport. You know, you think it, you learning it and doing it the way that you think it's supposed to be done in the right way. We all have good intentions, in my opinion, you know, when you start out. But then once you learn that, you kind of start branching off and you either kind of get a core group of guys that you're going to hunt with, uh, especially, you know, if you're you're not married, you're a young guy, you're out there listening to the podcast, you know, you're, you probably have a group of guys, core group of guys that you started out hunting with, and you're going to stick with that core group for a while. But then eventually, trust me on this, you, you're going to start to separate a little bit for the most part. Guys are going to start getting married. They're going to start having kids. And it's going to be a lot harder to keep that core group of, of, of you guys together to be able to make those hunts. So at that point, you're going to enter into a different phase in your life, more than likely. And you're going to start branching out on your own. Or maybe just one or two of you, the guys in the group, are going to start hunting together. You'll start pairing off. And then eventually, as you have kids, you get married. Uh, you know, you're going to start bringing your kids once they get to a certain age. And then that's a whole different phase that you're going to go through. So you're going to realize, you know, as you go through the years and you stick with this sport that you have different phases you're going to enter and things are going to change and how you approach other hunters is going to make a huge difference in how other hunters approach you. You know, just, you know, that's just the social media side of it that I'm touching on that I see, guys, that I would really like to see us improve on as a community as a waterfowl hunting community because you know i just think we could do it better man I th i'm so sick of seeing the hatred online from questions that people are trying to ask to learn this sport it absolutely just it, it, it's weighing on me this season and, and i know every season i know every season we experience that we see it and a lot of times i just move on you know i, I talk about that how i usually don't participate in the negative side of things like that and I really don't participate in it at all, other than the fact that I have this platform with, with the podcast and social media that I feel it just it's at a point this season I've seen things where I, I need to address it. I feel like that if I don't address it, that I'm not doing our sport justice, you know, and, and I think that those of us who are, you know, on social media, we have huge presences on social media. We talk to a lot of hunters across the flyway. Uh, you know, we have uh, some sort of an influence, like I said, whether we choose to or we don't choose to. We, I think we all have some sort of influence, whether it's positive or negative, on, on the sport and other people that are trying to get into the sport. But I would love to see us have a little bit more compassion for each other as a, as a group of hunters. We need to change that, guys. Unfortunately, the way the world is nowadays, it, you know, it, it's just... It's all about it's all about us sometimes, you know, and, and and you gotta you gotta realize when you're that that 
person or that group that it's all about you and start looking at the bigger picture. You know, start looking at, you know, where are we going as a future in the sport? Do you want your kids to come up later on when you start taking them and introducing them to the sport? Do you want your kids to experience some of the negativity that we see out there on public ground or wherever you choose to hunt nowadays? Uh, because, you know, chances are it, it's going to get worse as, as the years go by if we let it go now. And and those of us who were brought up the old school way, you probably shaking your head and agreeing with me on a lot of this stuff and saying, yeah, I see it. Um, you know, what I see a lot of us older school guys do is you get frustrated and you, you say, well, that's the way it is. That's the way, that's why I don't mess with it or that's why I don't do this. And I was guilty of that. You know, I was guilty of that for for a while. And it made me realize, hey, I'm not doing this sport justice if I just ignore it. If I don't say nothing about it, if I don't take somebody new hunting with me and show them the way to do it, show them the correct way to go out there in the field and handle themselves, then, then I'm doing this sport an injustice. And I have kids that I want to teach the right way. I have two sons that, that are coming up, guys, that one of them is going to be driving next year. Jackson's going to be driving next year. He's going to be going out on his own. And I look at that now, this season, and I, with the stuff that I'm talking about that I see on a negative aspect, I say, hey, if I wouldn't have been there for him to teach him the right ways, he would be that guy going out there next year and doing everything wrong, pissing everybody off. But what if he had a question that he was sincere about, and he got on social media and asked the question, and he received the answers and the feedback that you see a lot of people respond back with nowadays, would that drive him to, you know, pursue this, this sport? Would that give him an idea of how to better himself as a hunter? Or would that just drive him to do things his way, which may be the wrong way, and make everybody's experience out there in the field, you know, not as pleasant? Let's, let me just say that as nicely as I can say it, not as pleasant. So it's definitely something to think about. Another thing, guys, in the field that I've seen this year is caring for each other. This whole thing revolves around caring for other individuals, uh, respecting the sport, doing things the right way. But just the way we handle ourselves on public land this year has really frustrated me. You know, uh, I talked about the social media aspect of it, but how do we handle ourselves in the field as a group of hunters? You know, uh, just just an example, and this is just a small example. I was out on, on a wildlife management area this week, you know, just this week as we were in Christmas break. And I've always been the type, I try to stray away from the majority of the crowd. Most of you probably feel that way, uh, especially the guys, those of you who have done it for a long time. If you're still grinding on public land, you definitely, in most cases, try to get away from the pressure. You know, you're trying to get away from the majority. Those areas that you know, a lot of beginners are, are, are frequenting, uh, they're going to, uh, you're trying to stay away from that for the most part, but it's not always the case. You know, sometimes you got to go, like I said, you got to go where the birds are. You got to go where the good reports are, some information you may have got, and it's going to be an area that's one of those high traffic areas, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we went out to an area this week, not too far from the house here. And, uh, I was looking at the weather conditions we had to cross some big water. And uh, when I looked at the weather conditions, it showed some, some pretty good wind early in the morning, which I knew in this particular area when we're crossing that big water to get to our hunting spots that uh, it could be dangerous, you know. <clears throat> it could be a dangerous area if you don't know how to handle your craft, you know, the right way. And you don't 
care about the hunters around you. It, it could be a it could be an experience that turns south very quickly, and somebody could get hurt, maybe even lose their life. You know, and uh, and with this particular area, once we launched our boat this week, we were launching with a lot of other people. There was tons of people at the boat launch where we were, and we were all launching at the same time. You know, you could only enter the WMAs at four o'clock to be legal, and we were, a lot of us were taken off. And I knew that when I got to this this particular crossing that I was going to have to slow down. You know, it's not an area with, you know, four or five foot rollers in, in aluminum duck boats that you're going to be wanting to run, wanting to run wide open, you know. Uh, because it's not only dangerous for you and your craft, but it was also dangerous for the hunters around you if you had people around you. So we get to this particular crossing and I, I, was, I was actually in front of, of a group of other hunters, you know. And I slowed down. I got to an area where I had to slow down. I slowed down, and I, and I wanted to take it slow across this area. And sure enough, when we got to the area, there was four or five-foot rollers in, in in the area that we were in crossing through. So there was a crosswind, which is also dangerous because the direction we had to go to, um, you know, you had waves hitting you from the side. So we just kind of took it slow and, uh, and, you know, idled, had my lights on, everything legal so the people behind us could see us clearly, all that type of stuff. So... You know, as I'm, I'm starting to idle through this area, I could hear these guys behind me. They're, they're just yapping away. I could hear them from their boat and saying, man, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, and they, they fucking aggravated because I'm slowing down, taking my time crossing this area. And sure enough, as, as, as you would expect, these guys come flying around because they're pissed off. Uh, because we're idling through this area, and man, they are getting beat to freaking death by the waves, trying to get up on plane. They couldn't even get the boat up on plane at first because the waves, the way that they were coming into the boat. But once they get up on plane, they just wide open throttle around us, you know? And when I tell you guys that they took off, and then the boat after them took off, and the one right after them took off the same way, they went around us in every direction, from the right, from the left, and... One of them, as he's passing me, they passing, I'm not lying to you, they're passing probably 10 to 15 yards away from our boat as we're idling through these waves and crossing this big water. And one of them's F-bombing me, sticking me the finger as he rolls by. And for what reason, guys? For what reason? So that you could get to your duck hole a couple of minutes before we possibly get to the duck hole? And... The way, as it turns out, I didn't even see none of these boats in the area that I was that I was in. So we never saw each other again that day. But it, but my point is, is that that's how we are handling ourselves. Some of us on public land, uh, you know, you're not only putting yourself in danger sometimes by trying to race to these spots and get to these spots and, and, and doing it the way you think it needs to be done, which is not the right way in my opinion. I'm just going to say that. Um, but you're also putting other people's lives in, in, at risk sometimes and, and could ultimately end up hurting somebody. And these guys ran by us, you know, like it was nothing. And we had water literally hit the side of our boat and it's trying to come into the boat. And I'm having to maneuver through it, you know, this and that. And I got my, my 15-year-old son with me in the boat. And this is what he's seeing, you know, on, on public land. This is what he's experiencing. And look, this ain't a pity party. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying I don't feel sorry for us because, look, this is just part of it. This is part of the game. I understand that. But I'm trying to bring awareness to us that, hey, if you're that young group of guys 
who are in that boat and you see people trying to maneuver through there, especially an older guy. Now, we're, we're in the dark, you know, so they probably can't see exactly who we are or how old we are or none of that type of stuff. But if you see somebody slowing down, there could be a couple of possibilities. Hey, it could be an area that it's it's dangerous. You know, you need to slow down in. It could be that somebody's having a boat issue, a motor issue, that they're they're stuck in big water. You know, by you taking off, cussing them out, sticking them to the finger, running by them, and drowning them out at that point, you're putting them in more danger, more harm's way, guys. You know, and that's just not the way as a sports as a sportsman to handle yourselves. You know, and, and that, unfortunately, I, that's just the truth. You know, whether you like it or not, and we've probably all been guilty. Look, I was a young hunter at one time, and, uh, and, and, and you know, I could have I could have easily done things the wrong way, and I did do things some things the wrong way. You know, I'll be the first to admit. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I was innocent my whole life coming up as a hunter, and I did everything right. I wasn't. I did stupid shit. I did stuff that I shouldn't have done. Uh, but you know what? You learn from it. And you look back and you learn from it. And I had people actually stop me and tell me stuff as I was coming up. Older, older gentlemen, older hunters that would that would make comments to me or tell me stuff. Hey, son, that ain't the way it's supposed to be done. That's not how you do it. Hey, you need to slow down here. You know, do the stuff like that. And you know what? I, when, when you're young and you're full of piss and vinegar at an age like that where you think you know everything... You think you know everything. You know, you truly believe that you know everything and you're doing everything right. But when I look back at it later and I realized, hey, I was wrong. You know, I shouldn't have done that, you know. And and if you truly care and you, you want to become a better hunter, then you're going to take that advice and you're going you're gonna to roll with that advice and become a better hunter. And don't do, don't make those same mistakes again, you know. But it just, man, the stuff that I see out there in the field, it's it's disturbing, man. It is really disturbing. The etiquette, the etiquette that we handle ourselves with as a group of, uh, you know, hunters that are entering the sport now. Because, you know, I know they say that the, the sport is declining with the amount of waterfowl hunters that we have coming into the sport. But when you look at it, like I said, I've talked about this before. We are condensed down to the areas that are available to us on public land. Yes, we may have thousands and thousands of acreage on these wildlife management areas that we're hunting. But when you narrow it down to the actual hunting area that we have, it really shrinks it down, that, that acreage down, that number of the acreages uh, that are in these wildlife management areas. It really condenses it down and shrinks it down. So when you get this big push and influx of hunters trying to get to these limited particular areas that you're looking to hunt and that you have access to, it, it'll make it feel like it is extremely crowded, you know, and uh, and it makes it feel like, hey, there ain't less hunters coming to the sport. There's more and more hunters every year coming to the sport, you know, and a lot of you will agree with that, 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 that statement, you know, it feels like it could get tight sometimes. But, you know, that was just one example of, of what I experienced personally this week that I'm like, I'm, I just leaves me scratching my head saying, man, what the fuck, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth it? to get to that spot just a couple of minutes early. Um, you know, the whole the whole situation with blinds, that's another thing, you know. And that's something that when you've hunted public land, man, you know, for years that's always been an issue where, you know, you get to a blind and somebody comes in on you and they say, hey, I built the blind, that's my blind, this and that. I've seen heated arguments over that. Um, and, and just to be, you know, upfront with you, I mean, the way I've always – handle that situation is if I didn't build the blind, 
and I hunt that area regularly. I know that blind's there. Yes, it is general use. You know, first come, first serve on public land. If if I decide to hunt a blind in that situation, and somebody comes up to me, you know, it rolls in and says, "Hey, that's our blind." I, I will offer them, you know, to have the blind. In most cases, that's the way I would handle it. If I don't handle it that way, the other option that I've always seen is very successful is that you just invite them to hunt with you. You know, especially if it's one or two people and you're a small group like us, we don't hunt more than three people in our group most of the time. It's me, Jackson, maybe my other son, or we might take somebody, you know, one of Jackson's friends that don't get to duck hunt a whole lot. We'll take him with us, you know, somebody with us like that. Or it may be somebody that I've met through social media that's trying to get into the sport like I referenced earlier. And, uh, and and we'll invite them to come along with us, you know, and we'll take them out. So usually it's three of us in my group, you know, that we hunt together with, maybe four at the most. So if I get a, a guy rolling in or maybe two guys rolling in and they're they're looking to hunt and saying, hey, it's their blind, you know, and you, you can make it work, you know. You can make it work without getting into a fight, without getting into a pissing match and, and making it ugly, you know. You could just hunt together. And we've done that through the years and made lots of friends doing that as well. You know, so the whole blind thing, I think that's an easy, that's an easy resolution to that whenever you're, you're arguing over blinds. But I can't tell you how many times we see it. it. It happens at just about every week that we go out during the season, that type of stuff, you know, um, you know, setting up on top of each other. That's another thing, man. Uh, you know, a lot of people that are getting into the sport that they're, they're learning it, they're not doing it, you know, right. Um, you know, in, in our opinion from the experienced guys that's been doing it for years, um, you know, hell, go over to those guys, tell them something, you know, tell them something without cussing them out, without getting on their ass. You know, yeah, I know it's frustrating. I, I know. I understand. Trust me. I've been there before. I get frustrated. I'm human just like all of you are. <clears throat> but my point is, I guess, is handling in a, in, in a, in a professional manner, in a respective manner. You're going to be surprised, guys, how oftentimes that turns out for the best, you know, and it ends up making your hunting experience that day a lot better. You know, it, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to work out in the long run. I'll say that it's going to, it's going to benefit you more than it's going to hurt you. If you just take the time to maybe run over and say, Hey guys, look, y'all too close to us. You know, we're, we're, we're working the same birds. If they're going to come into this area, um, you know, could y'all possibly push over some or, Hey, if you can't, once again, why don't you guys jump in with us and come make a hunt with us? You know, that type of situation. I've seen that benefit us more times than not over the years uh, with my particular group of guys that we hunted with, you know. So that's a good thing. But I see a lot of guys, man, that are, are just no respect. I mean, even if you're new coming to the sport, guys, you got to realize that, hey, we have, you know, high power firearms. We have shotguns, 12 gauge shotguns that we're shooting, and if I set up 50 yards or 100 yards from a, another group of hunters, then then that's probably not the way to do it, you know? You have to you have to be able to realize that and care enough to not set up on the side of somebody like that and, and just have that respect. Once again, it goes both ways. It goes the, from, the, from the perspective of the experienced hunter, but also from the perspective of the unexperienced or inexperienced hunter. You have to have common sense and use common sense and have respect for the fe your fellow hunters around you to say, hey, that ain't going to work. We're too close. And, yeah, I may not know a whole lot of spots because I'm newer to the sport or I don't know this area, but I got to go find something. I got to get away from, from this, you know. 
what I do find in that situation is that they, they get to an area, guys, and they're going to set up close to you because that's the area that they know, you know. That's the only area that they really know that they scouted out or they saw online that they know that they could get to. And then they get there and they say, oh, shit, somebody's already there or they're, they're close to where we wanted to set up at. But, man, I don't know no other area to go to, and I don't want to be running in on people, you know, running my motor around when people are getting close to shooting time. So what do they do? They, they stay there. They're going to stay right in that area, and you're going to say, you're going to be in the other blind saying, these motherfuckers are sitting up, setting up right next to us, and you're going to be hollering at them, screaming at them, cussing at them, frustrated, pissed off to begin your day. And, and really, as the inexperienced hunter, if you're coming into that area, man, and you don't know another spot to run and set up to next to or into, come on over to that group of hunters that are next to you and say, hey, look, I know I came into here. I don't want to set up that close to you guys. Uh, I don't know the area real well. Is there another spot that maybe you could direct me to around here that I could set up comfortably far enough away from you to where I don't disturb your hunt, but I'm also okay and we can kind of separate, you know? That, that's sometimes, guys, uh, a great idea. Just come up to whoever's around you, and you're not going to disturb them. If it's before shooting time, you know, and it's well before shooting time. You're in there early enough. You got time. Go up to that next group of hunters and just address them and say, hey, could you help me out here? A lot of times I think in that situation, people are going to say, yeah, well, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to send you over here or go over here, go in this direction. Because to be honest with you, they're probably doing it because they don't want you setting up next to them. You know, it's a selfish thing sometimes, but they don't want you close to them. So they're going to they're gonna try to help you in that situation and, and tell you where to go, maybe another spot. So that's that's an alternative, you know. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a situation where you could kind of get some help in the field on the fly if you're not familiar with the area. But, but look, guys. I don't want to. I don't want to sound doom and gloom because you guys know that's not my personality. But but we got to do better, man. We got to do better as a society, as a group of hunters coming into the into this, you know, into the the profession or into the sport. We've got to do a better job from those of us who have been in the sport, and we need to just care for one another, man. As humans nowadays, we're, we're like I mentioned earlier, we're just taught. To, you see so much negativity out there in the world that it's just, you become numb to it almost, you know? you bec It becomes like, okay, well, that's just another situation where that happened, you know? And, and you know, we're, we're not typically like that as outdoorsmen. You know, outdoorsmen can be some of the most compassionate people uh, in the world. They really can. We could care for one, one another, you know, unlike any other group that's out there. But we could also be you know the opposite end of that spectrum you know and that's the dirty side that's the ugly side and that's the ugly truth of it you know we could all be in that situation but i would just like to i would like to see those of us who have been in the sport care for the ones coming into the sport show a little bit more compassion uh you know so that we could teach those guys the way to do things the right way uh, and, and that that will continue and that that will have a trickle effect for generations because look even though I consider myself an older hunter, you know, with a, with experience coming up through the years, I, I'm only 40, 44 years old, you know. I look at myself as being able to hunt into my 60s and my 70s, hopefully. You know, now whether or not I'll be on public land at that point, I can't tell you. But as of now, I enjoy it. I enjoy public land. You guys have heard me talk about that. I, I It drives me to hunt public land, and I love it. And, uh, 
And that may change at some point. I may enter one of those phases I talked about where I go into, hey, I'm going to get a lease and I'm going to make life a little bit easier, you know. And and that may be the situation, but that's not the situation right now. And even if that becomes a possibility later down the road, as an influencer in this sport, as a a, a media creator, you know, uh, a content creator, I want to look back and I want to say, hey, we helped other people. That that's you know that's what it's all about. You know, and that's important to me as a, a you know a creator. I want to say, hey, we did our part to help other generations coming up through the years learn the sport, learn how to do it right. We handled ourselves with respect. We handled ourselves with dignity. And then my sons coming up, venturing out on their own, like I talked about that's hopefully going to have a trickle effect on them, you know? Um, And that means something to me personally, you know? And that should mean something to every one of us who are out there enjoying the sport, you know, and trying to grow the sport. If it doesn't mean something to you, at the end of the day, you're probably in it for the wrong reason, you know? You're in it for the notoriety. You're in it for the instant credibility, you're in it for the, the, the social media fame. You know, all those reasons, in my opinion, are the wrong reasons to be in it. You know, and that's just, that's not where we are as a group of waterfowl hunters, my group of waterfowl hunters. Um, yeah, that's all nice. And, and that's great where you get to meet people and, and experience stuff, you know, with other people and other hunters. But at the end of the day, you're out there to enjoy the sport. You're out there to respect the sport, you know, the generations that came before you, you know, and, and if you're a true waterfowl hunter, that means something to you, you know, that little piece of the pie, which is a big piece of the pie, in my opinion, that, that should mean something to you and doing it the right way. There's something to be said about that. What, you know, I believe I'm a firm believer that if you do good and you do it the right way, you have a lot that comes back to you in return. And as we get, you know, we're ending the 2023 year, I'm looking for ways to improve as an individual. I'm looking for ways to improve as a group of hunters, my family, as we hunt together, uh, heading into the next season, next year in 2024. Um, and, and that's a big part of it, guys. It's not always looking at it from the, the, the perspective of, oh, uh, we need to add decoys. We need to add, you know, take decoys out here. We need to do this different, add a jerk string this year. Sometimes we've got to look within the individual and it's not equipment related. It's not, you know, just from the perspective of what can I add equipment wise to make me a better hunter. It's what can I do as an individual to make me a better hunter. And I think caring for other hunters, I think showing compassion for other hunters, you know, and, and, and trying to bring them into our circles a little bit. Show them, show them how to do it right, you know, and teaching them the right way. I think that is a huge piece of the pie and a huge part of the equation as far as furthering our sport, making us, uh, you know, more efficient and, and have more enjoyable experiences as sportsmen and waterfowl hunters when we go out there on public land and we hunt, you know. So, that's something that I want to improve on. I want to continue improving on in 2024. Um, you know, as we wrap up the end of this duck season, we have three or four weeks left, guys. 
it's not too late to start now. If you're some of these groups that I talked about, or you're this type of individual that I talked about, that you you you're disrespectful. You know, you're you're trying to make a mockery of people when they're asking questions to try to learn the right way to do things. Then it's not too late. Now's a great time to to kind of reach out and, and and help people. You know, we still have three or four weeks left in this season. It's not done yet. You know, it's not too late to take somebody hunting who's maybe been asking you to go on a hunt that you know you ain't took the time to to even show them the time of day and help them out and maybe take them hunting. You know, um, don't be afraid to do that, man. Just don't be afraid. I, I know, I know it's scary. I know you don't want to give up. You know, a lot of a lot of information because you feel that you, it's going to come back to haunt you, you know, but you know, maybe it's going to come back to help you. Maybe it's going to come back to, to benefit you in some way. And I truly believe that a lot of that does come back to benefit you, you know? And, uh, and I think if we could just do a little bit of that, just reach out to other hunters a little bit more then as a society, you're going to see a big turnaround as far as the positivity goes in our sport guys. Because like I said, look, it is not all doom and gloom. We have a lot of good come out of this sport. We have a lot of good that I see out there in the field uh, when we're out there, you know, grinding on public land. But the negative sometimes, it just got to be addressed, you know. And, and, you know, am I the one to address it? No, not necessarily. I'm not necessarily. There ain't nobody says, hey, you, you got to do that, you know. But it just, it weighs on me, man. I think that it needs to be said that I need to I need to say something about it, and, and a lot of you listening may disagree, and that's perfectly fine. There's going to be disagreements, and not everybody's going to feel the same about what I've talked about on this episode, you know. But I think a lot of you, if you really soul search and you you sit back and you say, hey, you know what, maybe he's right, or maybe that's a good point he made. If you get one thing out of this. Whether you're a guy who's been doing it for years or you're a newbie to it, you know, if you could gain one thing out of what we've talked about on this episode and what I've talked about and say, hey, he's right, I could help out here or I could do this, you know, to help somebody out, I think we're going to be way better off, man, way better off. And all that frustration where you stressed out going into a public land hunt, you know, because you, you, you pissed off somebody did something before your hunt starts that morning ain't none of us need to get out there man we all want to get out there you know get our spots you know do what we got to do have a cup of coffee have a good conversation with our buddies that we hunt with maybe cook a little breakfast in the blind do that type of stuff that that's that's what we all that's the goal man that's what we all want to encounter we want to have a good experience you know when you get out there you don't want to get out there pissed off stressed out Mad at the guys around you that are hunting because they're setting up too close to you, doing all that type of stuff. You don't want to be. You don't want to be in that situation. I know I don't. I don't want to be in that situation. You know, I want to get out there and have as much stress-free experience as I can because that's what we're doing it for. We're all getting out there because we love it or we think we love it. You know, and there's a lot of guys who think they love it until like you know. I was watching the hunting break experience and old Jared Boffitt on there. He said, I, I, I talked to a lot of people, he said, that think they love it. He says, and then they come hunt with me and they realize they really didn't love it. And that's a great quote. I always thought Jared, Jared Moffat from hunting break said on that show, if you never watched it, uh, because a lot of people think they love it until they get out there and they do it every day or, or do it several days a week. And then they really realize they don't love it, you know? 
But uh, but I think if we do it right, guys, and we treat others with compassion, we treat the, treat others with a little bit more respect uh, than we've done in the past. And each year, it seems to be getting worse. Like I said, if we could turn that around, kind of swing some of that momentum in the positive direction, I think we're going to be a lot better off as individuals. I think we're going to be a lot better off as hunting groups that we hunt with our buddies together. And I think we're going to be a lot better off as, as a sport in, in society uh, as a group of waterfowlers in general, all together, you know? So that's my wish guys for 2023, the rest of 2023, the rest of this duck season. And that's my wish as we head into the 2024 season next year, let's do our part to help others out a little bit more, have a little bit more compassion. And at the end of the day, have, have respect for our individuals around us out there in the field, because we're all out there trying to have fun. We're all out there trying to, uh, you know, have a good experience and we're all out there because we love, we love ducks and we love waterfowl and we love everything that comes with that. So let's have a little bit of respect. Let's have some compassion and let's have some fun in the, in, in the, at the, you know, one, once it's all said and done. So, well, that's my rant guys. I hope, I hope this was enjoyable for you to listen to this episode. I really appreciate all of you tuning in to listen to this episode. And I can't tell you from the bottom of my heart, guys, how much I appreciate the support that you show us as a group here at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Me, myself, Jackson, my son Hudson, my youngest son, who you guys see in some of the videos a little bit more and more as he's getting older. Even my wife, who y'all don't see, guys, she, she reads the comments. She looks at social media, all of our social media outlets. She makes fun of me sometimes. Yes, she makes fun of me. She's one of my biggest critics sometimes. But she really appreciates the, the love that you guys send us. And, and even even when you guys are honest, and it, it's stuff that it's not so nice, you know. We, we got to, when we're out on social media and we have a presence like we do with a podcast and all that stuff, that's part of it that comes with the territory. But at the end of the day, we learn a little bit from it, whether it's negative or positive. But more more than anything, we appreciate you guys, and we want you to know how much we appreciate uh, all of our listeners, all of our followers on social media. And we value you guys as friends, as as fellow hunters, and uh, and we appreciate you so much. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. So thank you for your support. We we hope that you visit our sponsors that you hear us talk about on the show, guys. We have some great companies that are close friends of ours now that we work with. We believe in their products. We invite you to visit all their social media platforms and their websites uh, because they have great products that they offer waterfowlers all across the country. So that's all I have for this episode, guys. And until next time, this is Jacob wishing you a happy new year from Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Y'all take care. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats. Or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. Guys, let's talk fishing for a minute. When you're looking for bait and tackle for all your fishing needs, look no further than Benoit's Performance Baits. Benoit's Performance Baits offer some of the best soft plastics for bass, 
Sacalay, and saltwater species. Rather, it's a day on the water or trying to catch a mess of fish for a family fish fry or a heavy bag to win a tournament. Benoit's Performance Baits has what you need and what the fish want. You can visit us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to place your order today with Benoit's Performance Baits.